Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 155. Can't believe we're at episode 155. It seems crazy. But anyway, big thank you again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate everyone tuning in. This episode has come off the back of the feedback that we've had from previous episodes with guests like Louis Langdown, uh, with Nick Ward, with Jake Simpson, Elliot Turner all working within a sort of National League or have worked at National League level. I think a lot of coaches have been able to resonate with some of the things that have been discussed in those episodes, so it's great to get the feedback. And I'm delighted to say uh, the guest for episode 155 is another coach from the National League, someone that's been to our networking events and is very early on in their career as well. So it's another reason why we set the podcast up in the first place was not only to reach out to people that had a number of years experience, but also to give a platform to coaches that are starting out in their journey as well. And there's some great advice in this one and um, great experiences already from this week's guest, which is Owen Jackson. Owen is the head of physical performance at Wrexham. So it was great to have Owen on. He was, this was a really, really honest episode from Owen because um, I said to him in the episode that I think the fact that he's discussing some of the mistakes he's already made but identifying them is probably doesn't happen too much so early on in someone's career. So big respect to Owen for coming on but also sharing everything he does in the episode. We talked about the key differences that he's found from working from academy level up to first team. So he's currently with the first team but he's also been with the academy at clubs like Salford. Uh, the benefits from working in non-league as well, which I know the, the other lads would have touched on in previous episodes. He also speaks about some of the changes that he's made to the programme since going in at Wrexham that he feels has been most impactful. And then also where he wants the programme to go. So sort of future additions, future changes he wants to make to the programme as well. So um, yeah, really enjoyable chat with Owen. Owen, someone that was it was really active at our networking events or really keen to share, which I love. Like That's exactly what we want at our events. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate him coming on and giving up his time. To mention our networking events, the day that this goes out is actually the day of our South Wales University networking event. So if you are coming, what will be tonight? If you're listening to it on Wednesday, then we will see you later. Um, we have just, in the last day or so, confirmed details for our next event, which is going to be a big one. So I won't uh, reveal all the details just yet, but uh, as a little teaser, we will be heading back to the north somewhere um, at one of the biggest stadiums in the country. So yeah, just keep an eye out for that. We've got some great details coming. That's set to be an awesome event. I cannot wait for it. But same as the South Wales event, really looking forward to heading down there tomorrow and seeing all the coaches and the presentations at that event too. So just keep an eye out on the social media and we'll be releasing details of our next events coming very soon as well. But we'll get into it now. Episode 155 with Owen Jackson. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 155 and I'm delighted to welcome onto the podcast Owen Jackson. Owen's the head of physical performance at Wrexham. Owen, how are we doing? I'm good, mate. Yeah, thanks for getting me on. I'm looking forward to it. No, it's great to get you on, mate. Obviously, we've caught up very briefly at Rotherham when you came to the meeting, but it'd be great to have yeah. a chat in a bit more detail. I know we've got some good stuff to cover, um, but I've just mentioned your role there. So Head of Physical Performance at Wrexham, which we'll get into in a little bit. But do you want to just give us a bit of a rundown on your career so far? Yeah. Um, so did my, both my degrees, my undergraduate, my master's at Chester. I was originally going to go into biomechanics, um, but then I realised how much maths and physics and all that was involved. So I was <laughs> stayed clear away from that. Um, I was considering to do physiotherapy as well. Like I really didn't know. I know I wanted to work in football, but I just didn't really know what jobs there were out there. Um, anyway, I got talking to someone, one of my lecturers, and I went down the sports performance science route. And then, so I sent out. I've heard so many people on your podcast before say they sent out all these emails and, and letters to different practitioners trying to get a bit of intern work, and I did the same. I must have sent within like a hundred mile radius of where I live in the northwest. I think I sent out like 40 or 50 different clubs just firing out emails, letters, ringing up receptions, trying to get put onto different things. And I think 
only Stockport and Altrincham replied to me. So Nick Donnelly and Ryan Murray, the sports science guys there. Uh, and I, got, I was just going in every day, just interning like, on the second day at Stockport. I've been there the first day, just shadowing, like my first ever experience of ever being in, in like, a football environment. And the second day, Nick said, I want you to take the whole warm-up with the first team. I, I just like, like crap my pants a bit. I, I was like, I ran to the toilet and I was looking at my phone, just like how to do a warm-up. Like, I've not I've done it for uni and I've done it all before. Like, I was like, just like Googling things, like my head, my head fell off a little bit, but it was fine. You know, I got thrown into the deep end and I, and I, and I did all right. Um, and then I worked at St. Helens as well in rugby league as like an intern. Um, and then I went to Salford City as interning, but it was basically like the lead academy sports science, but basically as an intern. Um, that was good. I was there for quite a few months. And then, I, like you said, then I just joined Wrexham. I joined in March. It was like my first sort of full-time role after, after being at uni. And you've pretty much, these last few like couple of years have probably been absolutely mental um, and not necessarily giving you a true insight into football really as well with everything to do with COVID and everything you've had to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah I'm cool. glad you mentioned about working at Saints and Stockport because I was thinking that you, you only went to clubs with like multi-million pounds um, <laughs> owners. <laughs> with obviously yeah, the, the stuff at Wrexham and, and with Salford as well, but... No, I think it, I think it's what you just mentioned before, getting thrown into the deep end. I don't know what you think on that, but do you think that has to happen for certain coaches? Because I know it's one of those t- times in your career at that very point where you probably panicked and like you say, you, you're sort of not comfortable, but you develop a lot by doing stuff like that, don't you? Yeah, it's definitely that, that sink or swim. Um, it's happened like a few times and I think that's one of the things that I've definitely learned over the last few years, just adapting to different situations and, you know, reflecting and, and self-reflecting. Like you say at Stockport, I think, I don't think, like you, you, you asked the question, is it something coaches have to do? I don't think they have to do it, but I think it has definitely helped. Um, and it's not something you can sort of, it's something that has to come naturally. You can't really manufacture that situation, you know what I mean? You just get thrown in the deep end. And like you say, at Stockport, it definitely happened. And then even at like Salford, when I thought I was going in as an intern, you know, just to shadow the first team. And they were kind of like, okay, you're going to be the lead academy sports scientist for, for this season. And like the first day I came in and I had like full pre-season to plan. And I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing here, to be honest. But we like to say, like, we, were, we sort of rode the wave for, for a few weeks and then adapted. And then, it, and then it, it was all fine after that. But yeah, it definitely, definitely benefited me. Yeah, and, and that move to rugby as well is an interesting one. Because I know, how long were you at Saints for? Uh, well, I joined in January and then COVID kind of hit April time, didn't it? So I was there for about three and a bit months and then COVID hit and we, we didn't really go in there. And what about in terms of lessons that you took from rugby? Because I know you told some great stories as well at the meeting. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> getting a bit of exposure to a very different sport. Um, but there's lessons from yeah. that, isn't there, to be learned from different sports as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's something, that's definitely something I'd, I'd encourage anyone in in my situation back then to do, or even now, just go and even just go for an open day, message someone in rugby, like anyone or whatever sport it might be, and just go and experience their gym for a day or their, their pitch sessions for a day, and you'll learn so much. Because like, like I was saying, what you referred to then at Rotherham, before I went to rugby league, I didn't even know, you know, how many players were on a team. I couldn't throw the ball, the lads were taking the mitt because they could spin the ball, and I was just like doing the warm-ups, warm-ups before a game and throwing in the ball, and I was like, catch it, and... <laughs> um, but honestly, I learned so much. Like, because even like the sixteen-year-olds, fifteen-year-olds Saints, who I was primarily working with, they're like their focus in the, in the gym is like nothing I've ever seen before compared to football. Like, they're bang on it every day, and they get in and they get all the work done. They do extras, they do even more extras, and then they leave. And they're so disciplined, like, so so disciplined. And it's something I hadn't experienced before. And um, the guys down at Saints, Adam and Matt Daniels, the two brothers. There, them two were brilliant to me. Um, Adam kind of took me under his wing and were just like every day, he'd just teach me like a new lesson. And he bollocked me sometimes and needed to be bollocked, but like he was a yeah, he, he was really good to me. And I, I learned loads forward and things I've like put into place, you know, down the line. And with that, with those lessons working with rugby players and seeing their approach to the gym, because we know it's different and we know the sort of demands of the game are very different as well. But there's definitely lessons in terms of like culture and how players approach things, yeah. isn't there? So 
what was in your mind when going back into football? Like, was there anything that you thought in terms of specifics, like, right, I can take this and try and apply it in football. My pr- approach is going to be this because I've learned this from, from being at Saints. And I know you weren't there too yeah. long. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't there too long. And it was different because, I mean, when I went to Salford, it was the same sort of age, but it's different because, I mean, we spoke about before, you know, going from that 14, 15, 16 year olds to the adults, obviously there's going to be different there. But main thing was just the discipline, really, because at, like, at Saints with the 15, 16, 17 year olds, they were just so disciplined and they wouldn't even think about messing about in the gym. Like that was their sacred time, and a lot of them loved it. Like they looked forward, like they'd be on the pitch, and they'd be oh, we're all in the gym now. Um, you know, what, oh, sorry, one sec. I think my headsets have just stopped working. Can you hear me? Yeah, I've got yet. Yeah. Oh, sounds good. Carry on. Um, but yeah, a lot of them were looking forward to the gym. So they'd finish the pitch session, and then they'd be like, oh, we're in the gym now. I can't wait to go to the gym. And they'd like literally jog out to the gym, get in, and they'd like, they, they, they loved it. Whereas in football, it was the opposite sometimes. People go, oh, we got the gym. Oh, we got the gym this afternoon. Oh, we got the gym. Um, so it was just trying to change that culture, really, and just try and make it a bit fun. Um, a bit of competition. They did that a lot in rugby, which I didn't really see a lot of in football. Um, I see some of it in football, don't get me wrong. But, you know, like, a big TV up in the middle of the screen because they have the gym aware, they've lost today's training stuff. Yeah. So, you know, just getting a, like, a big screen of that, making it a bit fun. Yeah, just the discipline, really. That was a big thing I tried to introduce. Um you know, since I've gone down. It was one of the small insights. Insights. I don't know if you saw it from the Euros with England. Um, I know Ben Rosenblatt was doing some of the competitive mm. work in the gym. And mm. You do see that shift, yeah, don't you? Because working with competitive yeah, yeah. athletes, like they want to be competitive no matter what they're doing, whether they're playing FIFA or whether they're out on the pitch or whatever. They want to be competitive, yeah, yeah. don't they? So it's pulling from that, isn't it, a bit? And, and setting up things that is going to get that spark going. Yeah, I saw that with Ben. He did the, um, we were doing the squat jumps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it was good. So it's, it's just taking and applying things like that, isn't it? And having to think about how mm-hmm. you can adapt that into the programme. But that no, it's it's really interesting that. Um, I was going to ask as well, because, Owen, I know you're only 23, so very early on in your yeah. career. And mm-hmm. um, obviously being at, at Wrexham, plenty of, um, time ahead in your career as well but I think it's really good to reach out to coaches at different ages at different experience levels to get advice so coaches that are listening might be you maybe two years ago um, and I just thought it'd be good I know you touched on a little bit already to get a bit of advice on getting foot getting your foot in the door and then also looking for that first opportunity and, and get and taking the advantage of that first opportunity as well yeah um... I may only be 23, but as I get reminded every day, I probably look about 35. So, um, oh, yeah, I'll get battered for that, the training. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you f- rewind to me two years ago, um, I mean, it's been it's been mentioned so many times, but just, you know, just emailing out, messaging every sort of practitioner, and, and not just in football as well, like I said before, try rugby, hockey, basketball, everything, just, just get just get that experience of just coaching that, that one-on-one coach. It doesn't matter what sport it is. It's still an athlete in front of you, regardless of the sport. Um, so I, I definitely recommend doing that. Um, one thing I'd recommend is to be proactive because that's one of the things I wasn't at Saints at the start. So the first week I was at, first two weeks at Saints, you know, I, I'd go in and I'd go and sit in the office and then I'd, when the gym session was ready, I'd, I'd go to the gym, I'd do the session or like, supervise or assist the session. And then I go back to the office and I just kind of sit there. And then Adam, um, the head of, head, of, head of Academy SSC, bollocks me a bit. He was like, oh, and you're not being proactive. You just sat there like on your phone in the office. And I was like, I'm not. I've like gone out. I've done the gym session. What do you mean? Like, then, he, then I realised, oh, shit, like, I'm, like how, how most this looked to someone else. But it was just like constantly just being around the lads. Um, if you're in that, if, you, if you've got your foot in the door in an internship, just don't just sit there in the office like, doing nothing. Go out and just speak to the lads, get your confidence up, just have a bit of banter with them, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I've, I've just, it, it can be tough when you're in an internship because I experienced it at Salford, you know, you, you're not getting paid and you're having to come in and you're doing a, a hell of a lot of hours for free. Um, and, you, and there were some points definitely where I thought and other people will have thought, can I be half doing this? Like, getting up at, at half seven, driving an hour and a half, leaving at like five some days and I'm not getting paid for any of it, not even getting expenses sometimes. But you've just got to just dig deep and just like just think it is worth it. And like I, I'm almost proof of it, like it is worth it because 
if I was at Salford and you would have said to me, oh, fast forward six months and you're going to be working full time like a, like a decent club, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that at all. Yeah. You've just got to kind of just, just dig deep and just think like, come on, you, you can just get through, just get through this next little bit and then um, keep challenging yourself every day as well. That's one thing I'd say. I mean, it was easy for, for at least um, like two or three weeks. I just like Salford, I just didn't do anything. So like, I just get, get there, do the warm up, just stand at the side of the session, go home, get up, do the warm up. And I wasn't really challenging myself. I was just sort of just riding the wave, just plateauing a bit, not really doing anything, not challenging myself. And I was like, right, come on, like give myself a kick up the arse and, Started doing things to challenge myself, make myself better. You know what I mean? Just that's one thing I'd, I'd recommend. It's being a sponge in that environment, isn't it? Like when you when you're at clubs like that, you've got a lot of practitioners around that you can learn a hell of a lot from, and probably a lot of oh, experience yeah. there as yeah, well. Yeah. But also, and I know it's something you probably touched on a little bit. You've got a lot of players around you as well, which again you're going to learn loads from. And oh. I know your move from um, correct me if I'm wrong, but your move to Wrexham came off the back of knowing people and. Um, yeah, creating yeah. a network and that probably wouldn't have happened if you weren't you weren't no. proactive and put yourself out there yeah bang on that's, that's exactly how it went on um, and that thing about the players as well like that's one of the main things since I've joined Wrexham and I'm working with players who've been playing in non-league for like 10-15 years and I'm coming in asking them to do different things that they might not be used to um, and they're challenging me saying I'm not doing that Owen or why, why are we doing that Owen and like, talk me through this. And I'm, at first, I was like, Jesus, like, because when you're working with under 18s and like in the academy, you know, they just kind of don't ask any questions. You know yeah. what I mean? They just do it. They don't, they just get on with it. Um, some of them do, but, but since joining Wrexham, like, the amount of people who have just questioned me and in a good way, in, in a good way, not being arsy about it, just asking, why, why are we doing this? Like, why am I doing that? I want to do that. And, and it's just like, wow, like, and it, it makes you think about what you're doing a bit more. So you don't yeah. plan things for the sake of planning things. I mean, you've got a reason for everything. It's something um, Jack Inman touched on, remember, at the Rotherham thing, and he, and he said he always gives a little reason. So if you're doing a gym programme, he'll put like an exercise and say what it helps sort of thing. Yeah. And the players will like, oh, pitch, Yeah, linking it to the football side of it, which always helps. And I started doing that as well since Jack mentioned it. So that's helped. Um, but yeah, I think getting challenged off the players is something that that's helped me definitely. It improves your loads, that doesn't it? Because if you can answer the why, you well, we should yeah. always be able to answer the why. That's one point, isn't it? That if we can't, yeah. we probably do need to question why we put something in play. Yeah, we yeah. should always yeah, exactly. be planning things with someone questioning us in mind, whether it is a player yeah. or a coach or maybe someone higher up or a physio or whoever. Like you should probably mm-hmm. always have in mind that someone is going to question what you're doing and you should be able to give an answer. And like you said before, it's not a case of someone being arsy and just and just picking on you for the sake of it. There might be a case of that a few times, but yeah. majority of the time it's not going to be that, is it? It's going to be that it's genuine. And that I think that does improve you as a practitioner, doesn't it? Yeah, these are just players, like I say, they know their body. They've spent 15 years getting to where they want to be and they want to know. Yeah, they want to know genuinely why you're getting me to do this. You know, they want to know. Some of them might want to go in a career because I've had a few lads who get, who get really into the GPS stuff and like some players will sit next to me and like talk me through this and they, just, they really just want to know things like yeah. really interested really interested about it well the other thing is that the game's come on a lot hasn't it so when you are talking about players that have played for 10-15 years if you go back to those times GPS and things like that and the S&C yeah. side of things it wasn't treated the same was it so mm-hmm. they are going to be learning from you, but at the same time, you can learn a hell of a lot from them because they've they've had the long career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it's no, it's a it's a really important thing that, and I think what are some of the other things you've learned? Because obviously, being around the academy ages at, at Salford, being around first team at Stockport, and now first team at Wrexham, what are some of the other differences between? academy ages and first team is there anything that sort of stands out for you apart from like that approach and the attitude towards the gym and strength work yeah I mean one of the big things obviously it's kind of obvious at academy level you know it's all about um, like improving and if you lose a game obviously you want to win every game but if you lose a game at academy level it's not the end of the world you know it's kind of a good thing really because you can look at mistakes and build from mistakes but like, losing a game at first team level like it just it's like you know, the, the whole changing room is just down and it was just kind of adapting to that a bit, you know, because I've been used to 
say if we, when I was at Salford, we lost a game on a Saturday, you can still sort of like, you're in on the Monday and you're just cracking the same sort of jokes and you're having a laugh and you're doing the same sort of, you know, the same sort of banter. But if, and then if you lose a game on a Saturday now and you're getting on a Monday and you can say she's lost three games in a row, for example, like the, the mood really changes and it's about kind of realising, you know, you said like being a sponge and just kind of you know, realising what the situation is, adapting to the situation and being a bit um, wary of, of how things are. That's one of the main things since moving from academy to first team. Um, I can't think of anything else apart from the obvious, like people think of the challenge more because these are people who've been in non-league for 15 years and they know their bodies and you want to know why we're doing things. Um, I think that's a, that's a great point you made then though around results because it is important, yeah. isn't it? And I remember speaking to Matt Walker um, a while back and he was talking about the impact of results and like poor form and things like that. Yeah. And it, it's an important role then that falls on the on your shoulders, isn't it? Because you might be first exposure to the players on a Monday morning if you're taking the warm-up or whatever, and you might get a group of players that are coming in demoralised. They might have lost the game, yeah, yeah. they might have win. So I'm guessing there's a lot that falls on you in terms of setting the tone of the week. And in a, that's when you sort of flick to like motivate a role, isn't it? That you've got to pick yeah, players well, up. And... Yeah, just, just the other day, just remind me then, just Tuesday, we played Grimsby away. Um, not, not a very nice place. Not, if anyone from Grimsby, I'm sorry, but it's just not, <laughs> I'm, I don't want to go back to Grimsby. Um, but there was two lads who weren't in the match day squad and they haven't been in the match day squad for a few weeks. And, you know, just coming to them and was stupid of me. I walked up to them, Are you all right, lads? And they were like, No. Yeah. I'm not all right. And I was, and I was like, Shit, I can, I'm just not thinking. Like, why did I say you all right? Like, yeah. I'm just trying, to, just trying to make conversation. It's just that sort of thing. Because, under 18 level, I mean, all the lads want to play, and all the times all the lads do play, it's rare that you don't, a lad isn't in a squad for a serious amount of time, and if not, they're playing for the under 17s, or they're playing friendlies every other every other day, but there's some lads who don't, in first team, who don't play for like weeks and weeks on end, and it's just kind of, you know, responding to them, and reacting to them, and being able to, like say, motivate them, and try and diffuse some situations sometimes, because trying to get lads to do runs before a game, if they're not in the squad, like it can be like it, it, some of the one of the hardest things to do. Like, never mind all the all the sciencey side of it, trying to work out all these periodization models and all these programs. But just trying to get a lad to do some runs who isn't in the match day squad, that's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do since since working it. Yeah, and that that's a really important point, isn't it? Because you're dealing with a person, then all the technical stuff goes out the window, really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. I suppose sometimes you have got to pick your battles in that um, circumstance yeah, as well. Different. So sometimes it's just not going to happen, is it? No, yeah. So so many times when I when I, I can just tell by just seeing the face of it of like some of the players, and just go to him like, are you right, mate? And he'll and he'll just go, no, I'm not alright, and he'll just walk off. And I'll just think, is it even worth trying to to get anything out of, out of of him today? Like, obviously, he, I'm going to get something, but yeah, you say there's other lads who are, who are bang into it and they want to get get it done and they'll do loads. There's other lads who are just, like, am, am I going to try and do? 12 box to boxes with him or two six, six, whatever it might be when he's just jogging and like his, his head's rolling and he can't even be asked like am I, is it is it even worth it I might even might just, might as well just sack it off and do it tomorrow when he's in a bit of a better mood yeah and that that's real life isn't it That that's going to happen and mm-hmm. that's going to happen no matter where you are you're going to have players that are out of the squad you're going to have disappointed players and players not in a psychologically motivated state so it's a really yeah. important point that because that you're going to deal with it. And um, Patrick Gorm spoke about a match day, and that's why I sort of spoke to him around the match day because um, I think those conversations, like you pointed out, then with with players is really important because the way we speak mm-hmm. to them, the language we use is is really key, isn't it, to put them in the right mindset, whether mm-hmm. it's before yeah, a game, yeah. whether it's after a game, whenever. Definitely. Yeah. So no, that's a great point. And then what about? In terms of, is there any other lessons from dealing with players? Because I've mentioned your age, 23 years old, working um, at Wrexham, mm. at a club that's, that's got his financial backing, that are obviously trying to push mm. up the leagues, um, working with players that are probably 30 plus or however old they are. Any other lessons from working with those players, apart from the fact that of that experience? Like, Is there anything else that you've sort of took from, from those players? Um, just being able to recognise when I'm wrong, really. You know, I've made tons and tons of mistakes in my very short career. Tons of mistakes, like loads, and I've, 
able to learn from every single one of them. And I think it's important that you do that. You know, like I think like I've been wrong so many times and like, like, a, like a, um, our captain from last year, for example, challenged me and say, can you not do that another way? And I'm kind of like, yeah, I can do that another way. You're right. You've got more experience than me, even though I've only, obviously I've got a degree, but you've got 10 years experience playing in football. So you know more than me in this situation. So yeah, I can change that and I will change that. I think it would be easy for me to say, no, no, we're doing it this way. It's my way or no way. But I think being able to recognise when you're wrong, not being stubborn, uh, not having too much pride in just saying, actually, yeah, yeah to be fair, you're right, we'll, we'll change that. Not, not sort of, it's different to just rolling over and let the players have their own way. It's not that. Yeah. It's just kind of being able to recognise when you're wrong and, and sort of saying, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll adapt that a little bit because what, what you're saying is right. There's quite a fine line between that though, isn't there? Because you're right, like mm. we can learn a yeah. hell of a lot from, from working with them. But at the same time, if it's your session, you, you're trying to take charge of, of that, aren't you? You don't want them to dictate everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're very yeah. young, mate, as well, to be, to be realising that because a, a lot of people I speak to in their careers have all gone through the whole um, trying to take too much control, um, not necessarily listening to players and things like that. And being 23 and being very aware of making mistakes, asking questions, being adaptable, um, mm-hmm. not being too rigid in approach. It's, it, you're very young to be doing that, so it's great to hear. Yeah, I think I kind of I have to because when I joined Wrexham, it was two-thirds of the way through the season last year in March. So I think I think we'd won like four in the bounds before I joined. No, yeah, before I joined, we'd won the last four. And I came in and all the lads were having like bantering saying, oh, you can't change anything now. The lads are on fire, you can't change anything. And just like winding me up. But, and they, they had a point to be fair. Like, I, I didn't want to come in and start saying, right, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I think we were about fifth in the league um, when I joined. And if I started changing things, asking the lads to do this or do that, and uh, I kind of just had to ride the wave to the end of the season a bit and then hope that I'd be kept on because it was just like a provisional, like um what you call it now, traditional just to the end of the season. Um, and then obviously I, did, I did get kept on. And I started like implementing a few little things now that I wanted to do in pre-season and started changing a few little bits uh, and my sort of non-negotiables sort of thing. But um, yeah, definitely going into the season last season, I had to be careful. I didn't want to upset the apple cart too much, but I had to, there were some things that I thought needed changing. So I had to kind of, the way I went about it was a bit different. Like I didn't, like a bull in a china shop running in, like, no, we're doing this, doing that. I just want to very quickly interrupt this episode just to give community members a very quick update. I've mentioned quite a few times now on the podcast, but also off the podcast in our community, that we have got a football fitness community upgrade going on. So the online community is getting a full scale upgrade. I'm delighted to say the first episode of the upgrade is actually going to start from the 26th of September which is this Sunday if you're listening to the podcast as it comes out so I cannot wait for that community members make sure you log in uh, log in Monday morning go and check it out because some of the stuff that we've got on there is going to be absolutely quality the whole user um, the user side of the community is just being upgraded Everything about it's just taking a massive step up. So go and check it out. And if you want to become a community member, go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign up and get a free month. After your free month, it's only £4.99 per month, £4.99 per month. So go and check it out. Um, The full upgrade is set to be completed by the 3rd of October. So not far away from having the full upgrade ready and live. So community members, go and check it out from next week. I cannot wait. Here is part two of the podcast with Owen Jackson. Yeah, another great point. Yeah, I think that's really important. And and again, something that people have spoke about a lot on the podcast is that observing, and especially when teams are in that position where they're doing well, um, if you suddenly do start to change a lot of stuff, you are going to... Um, well, you you're at, you could potentially be at blame, couldn't you, if results start, don't start going oh, no, the yeah. same way. Um, the other thing going is, and and it's amazing actually. Some of the the podcasts I've had recently with coaches working in non league or people that have come on and spoke about their, their non league experiences, they've got such a great reception because I think it's really relatable to a lot of people out there. But in terms of the benefits of working at that level. 
what what would you say is some of the if you've got to do a sales pitch for working in in uh, yeah. in non-league what would you say some of the key factors are that has sort of attracted you to that level yeah i mean the, the lads that you're working with day in day out they are just really down to earth lads you know they're not paid tons of money you know they're not they're doing it for the right reasons like some player we had a lad last season and you know he was working at B&Q whilst part-time B&Q whilst training as well so we train like 10 to 1 whatever it might be go to B&Q so they're doing it for the right reasons and another one as well which I spoke with um, you know Rob Rob Williams who's at Salford yeah. it's one thing that he mentioned he mentioned to me when I left Salford and he was saying to me like oh it's such a good opportunity because it was the same when he joined Salford when they were in like the Evo 6 Prem whatever it might be um no, you've got a blank canvas, a complete blank canvas to do whatever you want with. It's not like if you joined a team in the championship, say, where you may be like fourth down the pecking order and you, and you can only change the warm-up, for example. Maybe not even that. You can only change like a pre-hab session. That's all you have control of. Whereas this, you have control over everything. So yeah. you have such a blank canvas, which is a good thing and a bad thing because you can make a few th- do a few things wrong. But it's a good thing as well because like, you, know, you can do whatever you want. Like You can plan the gym programs however you want you can plan what the lads are eating you can plan the warm-ups you can do you know anything and pre-season was was, was brilliant this season because the, the new gaffer came in and he was like oh and i want you to take control of the first pre-season them, them two is just yours completely and i was like wow that, that's like you wouldn't really get that anywhere else especially at my yeah. age so that was one of the big things for me that, that i thought was brilliant about, about working in non-league just that that, that scope to, to improve everything like i joined the complete blank canvas. There's no real program, nothing in place. So you've got so much. It's so great to, to improve as a coach because you've got so much, so many little projects going on. I know I joked at the start about you only only going to clubs with multi-million pound owners, but yeah. there's a lot of good projects down at that level as well, isn't it? When you, when you talk about Salford, yeah, yeah. they were in that league not long ago. Mm. Um, the likes yeah, of Wrexham, yeah. the, the likes of and Stockport are another one. Like There's a lot of clubs down there where there's good opportunities that you never know where they're going to be in a few years' time. So it's yeah, um, yeah. if opportunities are coming up, not only is the blank canvas, but you just don't know where they're going to go over the next few years, do you either? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point. So no, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great point on that. And then I was going to touch on some of the changes because you, you talked about before getting into the club, them doing well, sitting fifth in the league, not wanting to change too much initially. Well, now you've had more time at the club, you've gone through the pre-season, what about some changes that you have put in, in place that, or additions or whatever it is that you feel have been most impactful? Honestly, it was just really basic things. Like the players weren't wearing GPS during the week. They had the GPS there, but they were only wearing on match days, which I thought was a bit pointless really because you're not really, you've got, there's nothing really, you know, what it's just telling you how much is running a match. There's no sort of, we don't learn anything about the load they're doing or, or anything like that. So we, I joined and there was no previous GPS data, so I had no idea what the lads could do. So mm. kind of after, and some of them were at first were a bit reluctant to wear in the GPS during the week because they haven't done it for seven months sort of thing during the week. And I'd come in and say, oh, lads, we're going to be wearing GPS. And, oh, fucking hell, like, like, they were forgetting the vests on purpose. And they oh, I forgot my vest today, sorry. So I had to just be a bit like, a bit stern with that and say, look, you've got to have, we're going to have to start doing now. Yeah. Um, so something as simple as that another thing was like the, the post-match uh, nutrition there was nothing it was just like a chicken wrap that was it there was no sort of like protein recovery shakes or anything like that I mean uh, that's something I'd like it's just dead basic stuff really nothing that's going to like reinvent the wheel or anything like that um, you know sort of injury prevention programmes the gym programmes I mean we've just had a new head of performance join us what, three weeks ago Kevin Mulholland from Southampton and Ireland so uh, he's been like unreal with the amount of things that he's brought brought to the table, all these different injury prevention programs and everything that we've we, we slowly started changing um, since since last season. Yeah, brilliant. And then what about future um, future additions or future changes to the program? Like, where does your head go when you're looking at like the next, like throughout the season or maybe even into next season? What are some things when you're like, right, well my non-negotiables are sort of in place at the moment but for us also take the step to the next level in terms of the sports science S&C support this is what we need to do yeah I've, I've had a lot of back and forth with Adam Virgil you know the sports science with the the, God, what called, the GPS the Excel stuff so we're hoping to work with him a lot over the next few months and set up sort of like a really good like athlete monitoring system 
um, so that, that'll benefit us, I think. Um, we're in the process of sort of kind of trying to build a new gym within the stadium. We've got loads of space yet because uh, I think that a new training ground, obviously, at the minute, we're just, we're just based at the stadium. So in the process of building like a new kind of gym there. Um, and we also want to individualise the, the gym programmes. It's just been me on my own uh, since March. It's been tough to try and individualise the programmes because if I do a gym session, I've just got 25 lads all in the big gym and it's tough to try and get round and do their own little bits. So now we've got a few more people on board. We're just trying to indiv individualise them and create a more bespoke programme for each individual player based on all sorts of different things. Um, yeah, and I think we've always improved the nutrition. We've got a new chef. We got a new chef in a few weeks ago, um, and he's been brilliant, bringing his own little twist things. So just constantly improving, never sort of sat standing still, just trying to make things better all the time, really. You said before a lot of the stuff that you put in place are basic, but the, the basics are the important stuff, aren't they? When you mentioned yeah, yeah. about non-negotiables before, I'm sure these are these are what you were referring to. Um, and, and and tell me if there's anything else. But these, this is the important stuff that you need in place, isn't it? The the likes of yeah, yeah. GPS, yeah, the likes yeah. of the the uh, nutrition support and getting the chef in and extra pairs of hands, which is a lot what a lot of people talk about a lot of the time is that don't necessarily want too much fancy equipment or anything like that, but a few extra pairs of hands would go a long way. Yeah, honestly, like it is pre-season because we didn't have a physio in place till about two or three weeks ago. So we had no, we had a, um, a youth team physio, but she only covered like training. So any sort of rehab from like getting injured to the next day, that was down to me on pre-season. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not qualified to do that. I don't have like all these physio and rehab degrees. And I mean, I tried my best and I, I was like, I got injured. I was getting home, Googling the injury and just like, that basic stuff, but I had no idea. Uh, but I've learned loads from that in pre-season, you know, dealing with players at the very first stage of rehab to like, you know, working working through that. But yeah, that, that human resources is, is, the, is the main thing. Having an extra pair of hands, two pair of hands, it, it, it really makes your life a hell of a lot easier. And from a player's perspective as well, obviously, without actually speaking to them, what would you say if we questioned them as a whole, as a squad, on mm. where you think Owens had the greatest impact or what sort of things you feel like he's put in place that have benefited your game the most? Where do you think they go with that? Uh, I like to think that I'm a bit more... You know, I like to get around something that Jake Simpson touched on as well in his podcast I listen to. You know, just getting around to the lads and asking them, how they are. I like to I like to make sure before we start training, like I I managed to do it most nearly every day now, just asking each lad, like speaking to them, are you all right? Not asking a big ten minute conversation, just a little conversation, just asking how they are. Um, you know, that, that softer the softer side of, of it rather than the hard sports line, just, just literally asking how they are and speaking to them. That's quite important to me. And I and I'd like to say I, I like to think that they think that as well. I think they think that Owen is one who gets around and speaks to all the lads and like in the change rooms that speaking so I was asking how they are at home how the family is all that sort of stuff but um, I think maybe the nutrition side of it the nutrition side I think has, mm. has vastly improved over the last few weeks that's, that's a big one all, all the lads are coming up saying oh like even you know the food at hotels for example because the food at hotels last season was like so the, when we go away it was just like the menu was just was just crap to be honest so and like a big overhaul on that and the lads are coming up to the like that was that was like miles better and well, that yeah. was, I mean, some of it isn't and it's down to me like it's like the physio did it or the chef who did it but I'll still take credit for it I'll say yeah it's all right <laughs> but, um, but no it's just little bits like that to be honest like the nutrition side I think gone on, gone on quite far yeah yeah and it's an obvious one for them to notice the difference as well isn't it when, when yeah, you've yeah. got some yeah. nice food and um, stuff after like you're going to notice that compared to a crappy hotel meal yeah no, that's brilliant, mate. And then what about any other non-negotiables? You spoke about non-negotiables before and it was something that you had in mind when you first went into the club, but you didn't want to put them in place straight away, but you knew the sort of things you wanted to implement. I know we've touched on probably a fair few already. Was there anything else that you sort of thought from taking that step back, looking at what they were currently doing, right? I can make an impact here, here and here, and they, they fit in with my non-negotiables. Yeah, like I say, it was just, again, just basic stuff, like injury prevention stuff. So just getting them hitting above 90% max speed for hamstring hamstring injuries every week. That's something they didn't do last season. You know, I remember the first one I did. I mean, I made sure it was when we started a Saturday, Saturday game, not, because it was quite a few midweek games. So I did it on a it was Tuesday, I think I did it, or a Wednesday, I can't remember. I'm on a Wednesday. I was going to do a max speed effort now, and I explained it, and they were like, 
why are we doing this? Like, why are we doing a Max Speed effort? Like, and I was, when I explained it and kind of understood it, then that we were going to be doing it every week. I mean, I kind of bought into it a lot more. And other things, just like simple, like Nordics, Copenhagen, bits like that. Like, quite a few of the lads have never done a Copenhagen before. Yeah. Some of the, some of the younger lads who've come through the academy and they were like, what's, what's a Copenhagen? And I wrote it on the board once, like Nordics, Copenhagen. And they were like, Copenhagen, what? Like, what? What are you on about? And like, um, yeah, Nordics, some of them never and I'd never done Nordic before. I was saying I was holding his ankles and they were like holding the ankles like that. I was like, no, I was like, hold it like that. Yeah, yeah just, just dead basic, simple bits, really. Just trying to keep it, trying to keep it simple. No, class. I think it's really good for, for people to hear about some of the stuff you put in play already. And, and it's impressive, mate, as well, because being, like I said, being such a young age and being in your first um, full-time role at a first-team club, it sounds like you've made a lot of changes already. And then with the extra pairs of hands and everything you've got planned, it'll be exciting to see where things go. And the other thing, obviously, I know I've joked again, the owners um, at the club now, it's got to be exciting at the club to just think about where they yeah, could yeah. go and the money they're going to put behind it. Yeah, like they've been brilliant. Like we just got a brand new GPS system in place. You know, the new the new catapult system, um, which wasn't there last season. So that already made our life a hell of a lot easier and improved the data that we were able to give to the manager. Um, all the nutrition wouldn't have been able to happen without without that sort of that sort of backing. So. Already, just from the little the little day to day stuff you see, you know, you've seen a big difference. And hoping the long term, we're going to see maybe like you know, better training facilities, maybe our own gym, and you know, little bits like that, which should just help us. Because at the minute, we're we're in an external gym, it's okay, it's a good gym, but you're having to go do doggies from the stadium to the gym to there to there, and it's just a bit of a nightmare. So yeah, if we can get our own our own stuff built, that's really the long term. You mentioned before the long term plan, just get that that gym, you know, um, in our own in our little little base. Brilliant. Well, we'll have to have a, another catch-up when all that's in place, mate, and uh, yeah. go through the planning of the gym and all that sort of stuff. But we'll move yeah. it on to some of the quick-fire stuff that we've finished the podcast with. And I know you've mentioned a, a fair few people already, but I always ask about the biggest influences on your career so far. So is there any standout names for you? Uh, I'd say, as I mentioned before, Adam Daniels at St. Owens, he just kind of <clears throat> gave me the kick up the ass that I needed. Um, you know, like I say, I was at Saints just, just not really being proactive and we had, we had like an appraisal sort of thing and he sat me down and I thought, he, I honestly thought he was going to get, tell me how good I've been the last two weeks and he was like, um, yeah, so we've not, not been that, we've not been that impressed with you and I was just kind of like, oh, like, yeah. you're talking to me, like, what do you mean? Like, I've been really good this week and he was like, he was like, no, like, you've not been proactive and I was like, shit, like, you're right, I've been like pretty poor this last few weeks and he kind of said it and that kind of gave me the kick up the ass and he said, I don't think I'd be where I am now if he didn't say that I would have kind of just been chugging along doing that same, just like, like minimum effort sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, that's one of the main ones, I'd say. Yeah, and that's something that James Malone brought up is that honesty and because we, we were mm. talking about having mentors and I suppose that's that's essentially what you're referring to. But that honesty is key, isn't it? Because if they did turn around at that point and go, oh, you've done great, Owen, then you don't yeah, really yeah. take much from that. But with that honesty, mm. you can you can sort of critique what you've done and it sounds like Definitely. you just you just kicked on from there. Anyone else? Uh, I think my supervisors at uni, Craig Twist and Jamie Hyde, they, they, they were brilliant for me. You know, they're the ones who got me the role that um, helped me to get me the one at Stockport, got me the one at Saints, just messaged me saying, I've got you this role at Saints. I don't want to go into rugby league. Like, I'm, I play football. I don't want to do rugby. And they'll oh, do it. You'll, you'll, you'll benefit from it. Trust me, do it. You'll, you'll learn loads. Of the I'll do it for a week. And then I'll say, I don't want to do it anymore. I did it and it was like brilliant. So without them, I wouldn't have learned all the different things. Adam, who helped me get even better. So I think, yeah. Brilliant. And then next one, what would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? Um, I touched on it before. I'd just say sort of either adapting situations I'm thrown in because I just think like I've been thrown in the deep end quite a lot and it's just kind of dealing with that sort of pressure. I think I'm, I'm better at that than I, I used to be anyway. Um, and I think acknowledging, what mentioned before, acknowledging when you're wrong and not not being stubborn with it, yeah. um, just realizing that you're wrong and, and holding your hands up and self-reflecting. And you know, after every session, I go back to my office and I, and I re, redo it in my head. And I did warm today, like like even some little things like that sounds that stupid, but like oh, I was stood there when, when I said what I said. Could I have been stood somewhere else? The lads could have heard it better. And just that boring stuff like that. I always do that. Like. 
maybe one time today, for example, I, I shouted an instruction in a warm-up and that side of the line didn't hear it, but this side is like, I should have been stood there. And just little things like that, because obviously I'm still quite young, so I'm still learning every day. So having that ability to just realise you're wrong or maybe not wrong, but how you can get better. I think the ability is the fact, the fact that you can reflect on that because that will go over a lot of yeah, people's yeah. heads and they probably mm-hmm. wouldn't, all those little things that you're mentioning there would probably be missed by a lot of people and maybe only dealt with in a few years' time. And I think the yeah, fact that you can reflect yeah. on it, notice it, make that mental note and probably change it in the future. I think that's a really key skill and, and something that everyone should do, isn't it? When they're running sessions, whether it's one-on-one, whether it's within a group, we should all be pretty yeah. self um like cr- critical in a way, but like, um, to try and come out with a positive outcome. Self-reflective, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then just finally, mate, where would you say you do your CPD now? So in terms of professional development, um, courses, articles, like people that you might have conversations with, podcasts, like where where do you do your learning now? Yeah, um, I do a lot on a the Rob Pacey's new stuff, Sportsmith, constantly scrolling through there, looking at that. But a lot of it, to be honest, I do a lot, I look a lot on LinkedIn and Twitter and I, I can just be scrolling stuff and I'll just save that. I'll add it to my notes, like my notes page on my iPhone is like ridiculous, like 500 notes. It's just like, do this next time we're at the gym, do this in the next wall. It's just little bits like that on LinkedIn. Like you see different people, like a, a different drill in a wall or a different training drill or something in the gym and I'm just constantly like saving that, saving that noting that liking that like saving it um I do a lot of that for the podcast your podcast has been great i've learned a lot from there from the one from one sticks out of my head when i was at Salford, the jack dowling one it spoke about the movement matrix i think yeah movement competency that's that one of the big ones like, i learned loads from that and took that and moved that to what i was doing at Salford. that was really good um yeah i mean i've, I've tried to get a few workshops at UKSCA books in as well I'm just struggling to find the time with work working on a Saturday and a lot of them are on weekends. But mm. um yeah, I think articles as well, you know, I'm constantly looking at Kev who's just come in, the new the new physio head of performance, he's really big on um research and he wants to get a few articles published in the next few years. So I'm really looking forward to that, like getting like injury availability, injury surveillance data published, which I'll be a big part of. I'm looking forward to doing stuff like that. Brilliant, mate. No, it sounds absolutely class. It sounds like you've made a real impact at Wrexham already, which is great to see. Um, and I know the sort of the, the, you, you make it sound like it was quite a smooth transition going from club to club and ending up at the, the job at Wrexham, but I know there's been some hard work that's gone behind it as well. So uh, keep up the good work, mate. But if anyone's got questions, they want to reach out um, and just start a conversation with yourself, where's the best place? On Twitter, probably, yeah. Twitter. And I'm writing... Uh, Right, saying Owen Jackson 5498, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to say that, yeah. Perfect, mate. Well, if anyone's got anything, I, I encourage you to reach out because I know um, you're keen to get conversations going with other coaches as well. So yeah, um, yeah. that's brilliant. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Owen. It's great to finally have a, a proper chat and um, Cheers, we'll definitely stay in touch, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hoping to come to quite a few more of the networking events. That one at Rotherham, not on my first one, so really really good I definitely encourage people to go to that um, yeah I'm looking forward to getting to a few more of them ticked off this year brilliant well all the best for the rest of the season cheers Owen top man cheers Owen I know you're probably listening so big thank you for coming on the podcast I really appreciate you giving up your time mate and um, yeah like I said at the start very open and honest conversation someone that's very aware of the mistakes they're making but also acting upon those as well which is crucial in their career which you spoke about a number of times on previous episodes so i really appreciate you coming on and being so open and honest um go and give owen a follow he's on twitter at owen jackson all one word five four nine eight at the end takeaways on this one I think when we spoke about towards the start of the podcast about competition in the gym, we spoke about seeing some of the work that um, Ben Rosenblatt and the coaches were doing at the Euros with England, um, gave a little insight into some of the competitive challenges that were set up in the gym, but also when we spoke about that from his time in rugby as well. So that's something to bear in mind. Obviously, that's not going to happen all the time with every single gym session either, but Adding that element of competition, I think, with anything we do with these competitive athletes is is key. Being proactive, I know it's something that he got pulled up in 
um, earlier on in his career and it sounds like he's acted upon it and I think that is a good point in itself like when you do get feedback low dropping your ego um, sort of taking it on board and then acting upon it is key and then challenging yourself every day like getting out your comfort zone and actually getting a little bit uncomfortable putting yourself in challenging situations that's the way you improve not only as a coach but as a person as well and then recognizing when you're wrong he spoke about too which I said this to him in the podcast at 23 to be sort of doing that now I think is such a positive because the amount of people that I speak to that have gone through their career they might be into their 30s 40s maybe even 50s and then they start speaking about the result um sorry the mistakes they made and the the result of those mistakes and only realizing now that they, they were making mistakes Owen's doing it very early on in his career and he's not only recognising when he's wrong but he's learning from the mistakes he's making as well um, and we all have to make mistakes, that's that's part and parcel of the sort of journey and career path that we have to go on so really important points and then I think one thing I wrote down is also being self-critical So, and I think this can also go too far sometimes with some people that they do get very harsh on themselves but I think we have to find that level of um, being uh, analytical of what we do, I suppose, and critical in a way, but in a in a positive way. Are we going to act on it? How are we going to improve the next time we do it? And he he said about when he was doing drills, he was running drills, then he play it through in his head that he could have been in a better position or uh, the drill could have run better because of X, Y, and Z. Those are the things where I feel like you'll look back on the session or you repeat the session in a few weeks' time, a few months' time or whatever, and it'll have gone up a level because you've learned from it. So I think that's the important takeaway from me from that point. Um, but as always, I'd love to hear yours. Please get in touch. Give it a little share on um, social media, Twitter, at FootballFitFed, Instagram, at FootballFitFed. And don't only share it, but just give a little comment as well about some of the stuff you took away um from the conversation with owen i'd love to hear it and i know owen would as well so i'd really appreciate that as always big thank you to everybody for listening i appreciate every single listen on the podcast and we'll be back next week episode 156 i'll speak to you then